Cameron. Yes. I've been listening to a lot of uh, rap music lately. Why? Well, part of it's your fault. You're welcome. Because you introduced me to Glorb, and uh, it turns out I unironically really enjoy uh, Glorb, the SpongeBob uh, gangster rap. Apparently it's called Drill Rap. You know, I'm not familiar enough with the genre. I'm willing to believe that. Yeah, so I when I some of the comments right on these songs like I can't believe this guy just made, you know, drill into into SpongeBob. And I and I thought he was talking about the Twitter account at Drill. And I was like, I don't know, this doesn't feel like the kind of shit post that Drill does. I don't get it. Um and then like Apropos of nothing, I'm watching a different video on on music, and someone's like, "Oh yeah, or like the really violent, you know, rap called Drill, like that that subgenre." And I was like, "Oh, oh, I didn't know that. That's funny." I also learned that Purple Lean is a uh, is a mixture of like a grape soda or 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 a, or a soda, but I think mostly grape because that's how it gets the purple color. Uh, codeine and like cough syrup, and because they keep talking about. Uh, sipping purple lean in a lot of these songs and i was like what the fuck is that i better go to urbandictionary.com well did you learn something i did i i learned something i've listened to a lot of these songs multiple times and will probably keep doing so because they're really funny um i've also i've actually gone back to like proper ass like rap and hip-hop though because i actually do like some of it and it's like you know this is getting me in the mood so I'm listening to a lot of like Toby Nguigwe, uh, who is is not doing this style of rap, but is a very good uh, person in the in the hip hop genre. I don't know enough about the subgenres to say which one he is in, but really like his stuff. So I, I highly recommend um, uh, to anybody uh, listening to this to check check him out. And I will search how to spell his name because you know it. It's uh, T-O-B-E-N-W-I-G-W-E. Uh, he's really good. Uh, the song... Oh, I didn't show up right away. I think Destruction is what it's called. It's really, really fucking good. So, yeah, like, turns out rap music pretty good. Um, it's, fun to, it's fun to get out of the normal genre norms, Cam. Like, you know, I listen to a lot of, like... Yeah. The things I listen to, and it's like, you know what? Let's, 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 let's really diversify this week. I think it's I think it's always good to try new things. I think that sometimes people uh get disappointed when they don't enjoy a new thing and that maybe discourages them from trying new things, but you got to kind of keep trying new things. Yeah. I think the more things you like, the I don't want to say the more interesting you are, but like the more well-rounded you are. You know, like the uh, the the metalheads I meet that only listen to that kind of music and then gatekeep it and are insufferable. Like no one wants to be that, and I, I bring them up a lot because they make me tired a lot. And so you know, anything you can do. There's a band that released a, an album this year. It's a mixture of black metal and power metal, which are not two things normally stuck together. And uh, apparently, like the true black metal fans hate it, and it's like good. I don't respect those people. They're annoying. The album itself, 
pretty solid. I haven't listened to all of it. I've been I keep meaning to, and then I get called away before it finishes. But I like what I've heard a lot. It, it's got a really neat sound. That you know, hey, when you combine two unlike things, you get something kind of neat. And sometimes it sucks, sometimes it doesn't. But in this case, it was fun. So yeah, try new things. Trying beer. That's good too. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm <laughs> I'm kind of distracted by this uh this AI thread. Some of this work is like amazingly good. I what did I try? Okay, this isn't new, uh, but I've been listening to a a, a reading of a Sonic fanfic, and I don't know why. I mean, it's not terribly surprising. Tell for me, me about you. You definitely will dive into the more esoteric elements of fandoms uh, and come away with stories. So tell me, tell me about the Sonic fanfic, and then the obviously the the you know how you're consuming it. How how does that differ from reading it? So, are you familiar with Sonic High School? I'm not, but I feel like I can guess a lot of things. It's a fan fiction that's very much, um, it's bad. I think some people debate whether it's intentionally bad, like for comedic sake, or if it's actually this bad. I want to say it's played up a bit because it, like, it goes off the rails in very specific ways. <coughs> Excuse me. Does it um, have, like, a, does it have an OC in it that gets to be friends with Sonic? Uh, you know, I'm not that far in it yet. That hasn't come up though. It's it's hmm. almost entirely uh, it, it's it's very strange too because a lot of it doesn't seem to take place in high school. Like I feel like the first episode does, and then like chapters after that seem to meander <laughs> in weird ways. Where it's almost like, oh, is he trying to emulate how like the TV show would be? Let me see. Okay, so I found. Okay, here's one. This is chapter one, so this is how it opens. Um, Sonic High School. Sonic woke up and looked at the clock. Seven o'clock, it said, and Sonic screamed. I am late for school. I have to go to school now, said Sonic, jumping out of bed. Sonic put his clothes on really fast and ran out of his room because he is fast. No time for breakfast, said Sonic as he ran past Sonic's mom. You will regret this, said Sonic's mom, leering at him from the kitchen stove, wearing aprons and oven mitts on her hands. Sonic did not care. He was late. Sonic ran outside and ran to the bus stop where people were getting on the bus. Tails, Knuckles, wait for me, said Sonic as he ran towards the bus. Hey, Knuckles, it's Sonic, said Tails to Knuckles at the bus stop. He is late, said Knuckles to Tails before getting on the bus. Sonic ran so fast to the bus, he got on the bus after Tails. Okay. So I don't know. Yeah, so like I There's a lot of redundancy. Like every every sentence is basically crafted terribly. Yeah. I can't tell if it's on purpose or if it was written by like an 8-year-old. And I think I think there's something a bit endearing about not being able to tell, but I'd also never want to read more than two paragraphs of it. So that's that's why I'm not reading it is because actually sitting down and spending the energy on that, it, it's impossible to stay focused and absorb the message because it's like you read the word bus like 18 times in a row and it's like, OK, I assume a bus is involved, but my brain turned off. 
So I'm listening to, there's a lot of these on YouTube, but I'm listening to Brendaniel because he did a reading of the whole thing and he offers a little bit of commentary. Like he does some like funny voices and he has a nice voice you can listen to, but he also will like kind of stop in the middle and just laugh or point out how absurd everything has gotten. And like, I feel like he paces it out better than just actually trying to read it yourself. So it's been fun. Excuse me. It's been fun sure. having that on in the background while I'm like doing visual stuff, like mundane texture work. Yeah, I can see. Unity. I can see that. <laughs> it's one of those things too, where like, because I, I used to do a lot of audiobooks, but you have to be doing a certain level of mundane thing to listen to an audiobook. Otherwise, you're you're not gonna like pay enough attention to know what's going on, or you're gonna pay too much attention to the book and you're gonna fuck up your job or whatever it is you're working on. And like I haven't been able to listen to audiobooks in years because I just don't have my I don't have anything conducive to it. Um like even some of the dumb Photoshop stuff I did like this week for work. I had a a thing on in the background talking about like emo music or something or dance Gavin dance, I don't know, some band. And I was just like listening to like here's the Wikipedia but um you know, by by uh the punk rock NBA. And like I finished the 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 project and I finished the video and I was like I don't remember any of that video. I, I went in one year and out the other, like pretty much exactly. And it's like, I couldn't do this with a book. So I think this is kind of a neat middle ground where, yeah, it's a book, but it's also kind of so bad on purpose that you can just let it come in and out of focus and you're probably not going to miss anything. And so it could be really good, like, you know, Warhammer painting material or or whatever, right? Like those... There's a lot of value in having like a playlist of shit to do while you're painting Warhammer or Gundams. For sure. Um, I've been I I got done watching ah- Ahsoka. We're not done with it yet. I think we finished episode six. Uh, but I guess I I wouldn't mind doing an Ahsoka update. And I know you haven't been watching it. No, but I did get Ahsoka. No, maybe it wasn't on six. um on Fortnite. I did unlock Ahsoka. Oh, cool. Did you did you watch like the initial thing she was in? Clone Wars. As far as yeah, the Clone Wars and Rebels yes. and all that stuff. I watched Clone Wars. Does I really, really always, like Clone Wars. Does she always cross her arms? Like, does she do that a lot? Yes. Okay. Cause it's a really weird like acting tell, I guess, in this show where like she's always fucking crossing her arms. And I I it's so distracting because once I noticed it, I can't not. And so now I like every time I watch an episode, I'm like, I wonder how many times she's going to cross her fucking arms. And I count. And then when she does, I like clap and point and I go, see, I'm not crazy. And in that this episode, it was like four. And I don't I don't know why they keep doing that. So I Googled Ahsoka Clone Wars and then the very first picture is her crossing her arms. Yeah. I will say, um, I think it was episode five we watched. I was wrong. It was pretty good. Yeah, I, I would say it's the best episode of the show, which has been largely in the mediocre category. Like, it's way better than the Boba Fett show. So that's cool. There there was some there was some neat stuff. I, I wonder, like, did Clone Wars really go into the like the ethics of like you have a clone army versus a robot army and both are kind of horribly uh disposable based on how they're made, yet all of the things fighting have some level of like souls? Because I was thinking about that pretty hard during this episode. I was like, shit, that's actually like, 
Ah, there's a big old collage of Ahsoka crossing her arms. She does it so much. But yeah, did did the did the show touch on that at all? Yes. Um, I I think it's a little funny to me because a lot of people complain about the prequels and stuff. But I'll say, well, I don't know. I like Darth Maul, and it's like I realize if you look at the movies, there's nothing to like about Darth Maul because he doesn't do anything. And then if you watch Clone he looks Wars, cool, and then he dies. It, but if you watch Clone Wars and and Rebels, it's like wow. I I mean, the, I I think Clone Wars might be the best Star Wars uh, storytelling in the series, like the franchise. Um, okay, that's high praise. I know Andor is really good. Uh, Andor Andor is very good, but Andor. No, I, I was going to say that Andor is very very good. I think that you can look at the Mandalorian and it captures, I think, the vibe and the soul of Star Wars. But if you go to Clone Wars, mm-hmm. I think it taps into that serial mentality that George Lucas originally wanted. Like, it's the most Flash Gordon of Star Wars. But they touch on uh, spirituality. They touch on politics. They touch on... These weird like ethics questions, like you know what, uh, what is a clone? Like when the the clones kind of start to develop personalities, where there are unique ones and not, and they they know they're disposable, but they know that they're working towards a goal and they have a mission, and that's really all they're that's expected of them, and that mission is in front of them, so they don't think about anything else. But then there's these situations where, uh. You know, one of them will, will like, sacrifice himself for the, the good of the mission. And the others are upset about it. And they end up, like, honoring him by, like, renaming their, their team after him. And they have, like, a little, like, mark on their helmet that, that signifies them. Because he saved them during this really important mission once. And it's kind of like a red flag. Because they shouldn't be doing that. They're supposed to be these, like, mindless machines. So it's like, should we decommission these clones or not? Because they're they're kind of like acting sentimental. Do we want that on the battlefield? But it's like they're alive. Yeah. <clears throat> and so it does touch on that stuff from time to time. I, I don't want to say every episode's brilliant, but like as a whole, there's a lot of gold in there. Okay. It makes me think, because I feel like the more sentimental and the more like human the clones would be, the more maybe good they would be at the fighting aspect because they're thinking bigger scope than just the mission at hand or they could get worse because all of a sudden they realize they don't want to fucking die and get shot to death by robots and that's the question and it's also uh the the other show um more recently they did a spinoff called the bad batch i'm assuming you you haven't caught any of that nope that's very much like a sequel to clone wars and the bad batch is fun because they're a group of clones but they've been they're they're like experimental where they're very uh they're tweaked and modified to be very specialized. So like there's one that's like a big dumb strong guy and there's one that's like really good at tactics and leadership and organizing and one that's a really good sniper and one that's a really good with tech, you know. And yeah. and so because they have these unique strengths, they develop these personalities just, you know, because of their role and they all kind of you know they get along 
but they also have disagreements. And it's very interesting to see uh, how they deal with stuff because the story takes place after the end of the Clone Wars. So the question is, okay, now are they just the uh, the official like police force? Like that? There's no um, there's no droid army to fight. So like, it, does it fall on them to maintain peace in the galaxy, or or do we want to do something else? Clones are kind of expensive. Uh, like, do we need to buy more? Uh, this other guy is pitching like we should just start recruiting people, and we'll just like have an army of stormtroopers instead. And it's about that transition period. Where it's like, hey, we're not a republic anymore. We're an empire. We're going to have new rules. We're going to have a new structure. We don't have a Jedi. You know, we can't rely on the Jedi anymore. We have to rely on the might of this army. But then is this army reliable or not? Because they're they're designed to die out fast, too. Like, I think they're supposed to have, like, a lifespan of, what, 20 years max or something? <laughs> Jesus, that's, like, existential as fuck, though. Um, Sort of. And, but that's the thing is that there's these very interesting questions. And there was a very cool episode in Bad Batch where there's a politician uh, in the Senate who was fighting for uh, clone rights. And she felt that they were just kind of being, like, they're basically decommissioned and, like, given their freedom. So it's like, hey, you don't owe us anything. We're just going to kick you out of the army and you're free to do whatever you want. So now they basically don't have a purpose. And she was like, I think we have to take care of our veterans. Even though, like, we bought them and they're kind of property, we should take care of them. And it turned into this thing where now, like, there's kind of this assassin trying to kill her. And it's like, okay, it has to do with this clone thing. And so it's this whole, like, okay, how do we get this message through? How do we protect her? Oh, man, she, oh, she found the Bad Batch. She'll protect her. And it's this exciting, like, thing that goes on. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, she uncovers... <coughs> Excuse me. Um, she uncovers the truth that the guy pitching the Stormtrooper army is trying to get the clones out of the way so that he can, like, get the glory for the Stormtrooper army. Okay. Okay. So she presents this proof um, to the Senate, and including the Emperor, and says, look, I've been trying to fight for clone rights, and this guy, it literally, like, he he's uh, corrupted, and he's all the way this up in the system, like, we have to get rid of him, because he's getting in the way of the right thing. And then the Emperor is like, hey, you know what, I agree with you, um, we do have to get rid of this guy, and this illustrates my point that uh, the stormtroopers should respond or should like report to me directly so that no one else can get corrupted. And everyone agrees. Uh, <laughs> and then like the, you see like the, the main characters on the side going like, well, wait, we got everything we wanted. Why does it feel like we took a step backwards? And it's just this brilliant moment at the end of the episode where it's like, they were getting played this whole time on this macro level scale. <laughs> But I think this is I a mean, story you don't see in the this. movies. <laughs> you have to watch the silly cartoons on the Disney Channel. Right. And that's what I was going to say. Like, like Star Wars is a vessel for some great stories. It's so big. There's really cool stuff. Say what you will about the prequels. I feel like the things they introduced from an ethical standpoint are really interesting. I wish the movies had been a little bit more about that. But also, the, I, I mean, they're kind of like kids movies. And I was what? Single digits, maybe 10 when the first one came out. So, like, I kind of get that it's not, but <clears throat> I I don't know. Like, I'm watching this, like, Ahsoka thing, and she's having this, like, because she, she's half dead. She's got this freaking, like, dream sequence going on, and she's uh, with Anakin, and they're fighting through a bunch of, like, Clone Wars shit. 
and I'm seeing like robots try to heal the clones. My first thought was like, fucking why? They're clones. They can just go make more. Like, aren't every isn't everyone in this army except Anakin and Ahsoka right now expendable? And they're fighting robots, which are built in a factory. Super expendable. Holy shit, the nature of this war is and like this never really hit me because I saw the movies ages ago and I never watched any of the cartoons. I'm like, there's so much crazy ethics talk and philosophy you can do here. Why why are they not doing it? Like, there's some really good points to be made, like really good science fiction to do. And then it's like, oh, well, no, what if there's an evil dagger and if you rotate it, it's a map. If you line yes. it up to the Death Star that <laughs> fell. And it's like, this is so stupid. Somehow Palpatine returned. And it's like, no, we could do we could do so much more than that, though. We don't need to do Dragon Ball GT, but it's Star Wars. It, yeah. So, I mean, there, there's things about it. There's also, um, there was an episode in The Mandalorian where I don't think they explored it deep enough in this episode. But there was an episode where they had, like, a, a repurposed battle droids. And they were just being used as normal droids. And they go to, like, a droid yeah. bar after work where they just want to be treated like normal. And it was interesting because uh, I, I feel like there's a lot of stories that explore the clones. There's exceptionally few that explore droids. And whenever Star Wars does bring up droids, it's very confusing because it's never really made clear. Are they robots or are they like sentient things? Because it, it seems right. like R2-D2 gets broken and then they fix him. But also there's like only one R2-D2. You know, it's like, I don't understand. He's clearly got a personality. They, they don't they never explain where these droids come from. And I actually, I feel like it was a mistake showing how the battle droids were made because it was almost like disappointing to see a droid factory because my mental image was like, oh, is there like an R2 factory somewhere that's just making quirky assistance all day? Well, and then you see like in Andor, they're doing all this like really laborious prison labor, but you, you live in a galaxy where droids are fucking everywhere and clearly have no rights and are, are, are still made to assist people. Why, why do I not see more droids helping the, the humans, at the very least helping them, right? But they could be doing, like, the bulk of the work. Because that's why we build robots, right? Like, we, we literally have droids that like, you can go into factories and see. You know, things that are made to clean the floor and you can program patterns so they can learn as they clean so they know the most efficient pattern. Um, robotic arms to move things around and, and place things on conveyor belts. So a human doesn't have to do it. Scanners to look for defects and stuff like we are building Star Wars shit like as we speak. And the whole point is to not have people do it. And so then you watch Star Wars and you have so many humans doing like really physical labor. And so why, why are they building the robots they're building? You know, like like C-3PO is cool, but I feel like he's not that efficient. He's he's a weird. There's a lot of weird droids. There's a lot of um strange ones that are like interesting puppets. But if you actually look that close, you're not sure what their function is. Yeah. Um, and and it's tell. fun. It's that's half the charm. But also, it's like, what am I looking at? <laughs> and and that was what I was gonna say. Like, it, it's kind of like an endearing aspect to Star Wars is that the droids are are almost more people than robots, but then they're not really treated that way half the time, so you get this kind of confusion of, like, what am I supposed to think? 
It's like when you watch right. Alien and all the ch- uh, technology is like super chunky. And it's like, no, that's just like the aesthetic of Alien, though. The universe they're in is they, they didn't hit a certain plateau of technology, but they, they did invent interstellar travel. But you're using like, you know, old school chunky keyboards and, and um, blinky fonts and things like that. And it, you know, it's just part of it. But if you think too hard, it's like, yeah, but it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. Also, um, do you remember in Solo? Um, that's a mean question because I mean I definitely saw that movie, but I don't know if I remember anything. That's fair about it. Uh, they they had this weird moment where uh, Lando has a droid, but the droid was like it was like a civil rights droid. But it was played as a joke where it's like there was like an underground droid fighting oh. ring and she's like protesting and everyone's just yeah. kind of ignoring her. And it's like it's confusing because they kept um like half the time they would play it off as a joke and then half the time they sort of wouldn't. And it's like, you know, if you if you set up that droids don't want to be slaves, then it makes like all the characters in the entire universe slave owners. You know, right. like if, if if they're just machines that do things, like it's very fun to watch R two D two help out the heroes or whatever. It's kind of weird to think like, oh boy, Luke Skywalker, he owned like five slaves, and killed his father, and it's like, yeah, it's a hero character. Um, it, it's it's confusing. It's confusing that Anakin like repaired C three PO. To help his mom, because it's like, c 3 is not going to help on the sand farm. Like, he's a translator. Like, wh- why are you repairing this? Right. It's, it's little stuff like that. Also, where... it's sort of like, because <clears throat> his mom is literally a slave. And so it's like, hey, I can't get you out of slavery, but I can build you a slave. And so at least you're not at the bottom anymore. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> It seems inconsistent between writers. It seems inconsistent between, um, like, the the movies act kind of different than, like, the cartoons than the live-action shows. Yeah, I I haven't seen enough of the cartoons or live, uh, or at least the cartoons anyways, to kind of gauge some of this. But it there's always so many good ideas in Star Wars and so many cool avenues to go. Um, and I feel like... They could be hitting those good things almost all the time, and they maybe should, given the reverence people have for Star Wars. And so it's really weird when you get, like, the Boba Fett show, or even, honestly, this one has some really messy shit in it. And it's like, wow, I watched a 45-minute episode of a Star Wars thing, and I was I was kind of bored the whole time. I feel like that should not happen. I like the Space Whales, but also... I know there's just something about the concept of space whales that is really cool. How about, well, yeah, I, I think it ties to the romance of sailing. You know, like these are ships. Yeah. Um, How about, what was the other, did you ever watch droids? Uh, no, is that, is that still a Star Wars thing? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I didn't see that. Uh, was that a cartoon? I take it. Yeah, that was uh, up 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 nineteen eighty five, and it was very oh no shit Jesus. Yeah, it was very cute. I guess. Um, it's just sort of like a dumb Saturday morning cartoon kind of a thing. 
and it was a. Uh, it, it was funny because it was like R2-D2 and C-3PO going on these little adventures. And it's like they would kind of just get lost and bump into somebody and help them with their problem by accident. And then like go on to the next leg of the journey and accidentally make new friends next week. And it's like they'd get involved in stuff like, it's like oh, here's this gang that wants to do like street racing. Like, oh, we got to stop that, you know, that overlord guy. It's, it's terrifying everybody and taking our money. Yeah. And C-3PO is like, well, I can improve your your uh, race bike. You just have to change your flux capacitor. Doo, doo, boop. And stuff like that would happen. Very cutesy. But it was the sort of thing where I feel like these characters shouldn't be able to carry a story on their own. Because they're kind of accessories. Yeah. You know what I mean? And oh, for I, sure. I don't know... <coughs> I don't know how I feel about... Like, if I wanted to... Uh, if I or rather, if I was in charge of making the next Star Wars movie, and it's like a standalone Star Wars movie, I feel like I'm obligated to follow a certain formula, and I would probably have like a a heroic Luke esque character, and a scoundrelly Han esque character, and I have to have like at least one cute droid, uh, in some capacity, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I I feel the I kind of feel like I'd have to do that too, just because like that's Star Wars, whether you like it or not. Like there are these weird uh, tonal and visual expectations that come with it, and I feel like maybe that's why things get so stagnant is because no one wants to make really fucking weird Star Wars. But Andor was nice because it had a lot less robots and a lot less aliens, and like you didn't really notice it until someone pointed it out. And you're like, oh yeah, like this is the most like human grounded piece of star wars i've ever seen despite the spaceships despite the weird prison and it worked really well oh you know on the topic of droids though did you see the new ones they're bringing at uh, disneyland i did not they're very cute uh but they walk oh, around look at these little guys yeah and they actually they, i mean they look like little star wars droids but also they're kind of new like you haven't seen these before <laughs> I like them. I don't know what their function is. They don't have arms. Yeah, that's the thing. It's that like, it's kind of like the mouse droids, where you're not really sure what their actual function is. Um, uh, but it's like, it's just kind of fun to have them there because that's like part of the atmosphere of the science fantasy world. Like, I, I want, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what Disneyland's actually missing? They need to have like drones like floating by, like like weird little orbs with antennas, just like kind of like crossing over in the air real quick. Because it's just, like, that's what Star Wars is, you know? I wonder if, like, these kind of questions we're asking where, like, I'm looking at all the droids in Star Wars and going, well, what's the function? Why was it built? And, like, when you're a kid, you don't really ask that. You just go, oh, it's cute. They have little mice, but they're robots because it's the future. Yeah. And it doesn't, the, the function doesn't matter. You just are happy to see it. Yes. Totally. I, I'm with you there. You're right. So really, the whole the problem is is I'm old, cynical, and stupid and drunk. You know, I, I, I think um I think people know that I appreciate the sequel trilogy well enough compared to people that really hate it. But I gotta say, I really love the BB-8 yeah. design. Oh, I, I do too. It's great. I think that's a good droid. They, it, it's not easy to like make a new R two D two, but I feel like they did. Yeah, 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 yeah. This kind of reminded me of a conversation I had with my neighbor that I play ping pong with. He's reading a book series. 
I do not know what it's called. Um, but the uh, the premise of it is is that like uh, an alien species comes to Earth and starts going to war with us because they want our resources. The difference is that like apparently discovering uh, faster than light travel really isn't that difficult. Earth just never did it, and we put all of our like technological aspects in different baskets. So we have things that are automated. We have really advanced computers and missile targeting systems. And so this is like if Star Wars ships came to Earth to go fight with us, but they're all manually piloted and their lasers are, you know, manually aimed. There's no missiles. They don't have um, like crazy in-depth computer systems that we do for scanning and whatnot. And so it's like faster than light aliens with crazy technology, but it's so caveman-esque that it's like an even fight because we have supercomputers and they don't and i thought that was really kind of uh clever yeah that's a fun and i don't really read a lot of military sci-fi mm-hmm. but that one sounds good that is a i would love to get the name of that book because it does sound like something interesting to explore it makes me wonder like what you can take you know the idea of like this really pie in the sky thing that we're will forever be reaching for it's like what if it is easy to find and we had found it you know a thousand years ago or well, not a thousand. Let's say, let's say two hundred, right? And and then you get like, I don't know, I don't know what the technology was like two hundred years ago. Not very good, but like that level of stuff. But we're like traveling through space, and the 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 aesthetic of that to me could be really fun. Um, you know, like you're flying through space, but you're using a flintlock. I guess some of that's like steampunk in a way. I feel like we're a little directionless tonight, so I don't want to change the subject too much. But yeah, I'm sorry. No, I'm I I, <clears throat> I, I I'm not breaking my A game. I'm going to I'm going to snap up a bit. But we're talking about like how how like do droids matter or not? Um I feel like there's a similar problem in Pokémon where half the time Pokemon are basically like sentient to the degree that humans are. And then other times they're literally just like dumb birds. Yes. Pokemon world makes no fucking sense. And it never has. I mean, even when I was a kid, I I was like, so is this all the animals? Like, what do they eat? Like what meat do they (laughs) eat? What do the animals eat? Does like, how does this circle of life work at Pokemon? Well, that and also I think one of my favorite things that somebody pointed out, like I think there was a comic of this or something, but it's like, uh, you know, some trainers are out in the woods and they see a Pikachu. So they catch it and they scan it with the Pokedex and it says Pikachu is the electric mouse Pokemon. And they're like, what's a mouse? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, technically, like Ratata, but I guess Ratata's a rat. It's yeah, it's not the but electric it's sort of like, Ratata. Yeah, but what's a rat? Um, it, it's it's again, it's supposed to be like entertainment for children. You don't supposed to think about it too hard, but it's funny to watch this as a brand that like people have grown up with, because there's a lot of people that like they they want it to grow up with them. You know, every time a new Pokemon game yes. comes out, one of the complaints I can find somewhere is that it like. You know, why don't they just like, why why can't I be an adult person? Like, why do I have to always be a 10 year old? And it's like, well, because it's aimed at eight year olds, dude. Right. I know the the one Pokemon game or maybe there's a couple where they kind of touch on um, 
environmentalism and, and certain like levels of ethics in Pokemon. And part of me is like, that's really cool because I would love to explore more of that through the vessel of Pokemon. That seems like a neat thing to do. But I am an adult and I don't know if the eight-year-old who this is their first Pokemon game really gives that much of a shit. Because I certainly didn't when I was eight and I first started playing Pokemon. I just wanted to catch them all and beat the Elite Four and go, look, that one evolved into a new monster and it looks cool. And it can learn Hyper Beam and Hyper Beam is dope. You know, like, the the things that made your brain tingle with Pokemon when you were a child, like, very different than when you're an adult. And it, it's okay to, to not need the property to grow up with you. Man, you know, I don't want to... I'm not... I, I, blah. Let me gather my thoughts. I've been really enjoying the new Spider-Man game. I don't want to okay. talk yeah, about I good. like I, I don't want to talk about anything that might be construed as spoilers, but this kind of applies to the first game too. I love how good a job they did of capturing Spider-Man like in a day-to-day form because there's like a super villain with a super plot and it's like, "Oh, we got to figure out what the Scorpion's up to." But also, like, you have a police scanner, and it's like, hey, there's a robbery going on across the street. And it's like, oh, I could probably take care of that real fast. And it's like, oh, there's a fire going on across the street, like, down down that way, too. And it's like, okay, I could, I could do that, too. And then, like, Aunt May calls, and she needs milk. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm two hours late for that appointment. But also, there's a fire. <laughs> and it's like, there's a funny kind of, um, like, in the comic books aimed at younger readers... It's kind of neat to watch Spider-Man save the day all, th- all the time. But like me as an adult, when I think about how hard Peter's life is, it's like, like, dude, I you got to you got to take a break, man. Because like I'm playing a game and I'm getting yeah. anxious about it. There's so much like you can't single handedly save the city. You rely on the firefighters this one time, man. Mm-hmm. I think that's always been that. Uh, an aspect to I think Superman that gets explored a bit more. We're like. <laughs> I think there's more stories where he gets stretched a bit thin. And it's like, yeah, you have to be around for the the things that might end the world. But the stuff that won't, like the boat capsizing, you know, 200 miles away off the coast of Japan or something. You know, maybe maybe the Coast Guard over in, in Japan can take care of that. You don't need to because what if Dr. Doom shows up and you're not here to stop him from blowing the planet up or whatever, like. I think there's more of that in Superman and Spider-Man's a good vessel for that because Spidey's such like a a nice guy, which I like. I, I like that there are like superheroes that are ultimately just like nice people. Like Batman's fun, but Batman's a douchebag and I, I don't like Batman. And Sp- Superman's boring, but he's also, he's also endearing and like something you want to aspire to. You don't want to aspire to be Batman. <laughs> Batman's fucked up. Yeah, it it's um I'm trying to remember, did you ever play Majora's Mask? No, I I know it's a good one and I should. I wonder if it's on browser. Um something that hit me hard once, like and this is like, you know, I'm younger and I'm playing the game, but uh like the core mechanic of that game is that it's very short. You have these like 3 days. There's like a 3-day cycle to to uh finish everything before the world ends. And you time travel back to day one. So really, it's like you have to uh, you have to manage how much, you know, what are you going to get done today? And then go back and start over and see what you can do. And so it's like you're you're bringing tools back with you as you solve puzzles. It's like, okay, now I can shortcut over this thing and do this new thing. Now I know this new song that lets me swim on the water. Now I can access the water thing. 
uh, so you go back to day one and go straight to the water temple instead of the others. And what's interesting is that like that's a fun gameplay loop to have, but it gets to the point where like yeah. as I as I mastered that game, and it's like each area, uh, there's a problem. And if you defeat the boss of the dungeon, it kind of solves the problem. Uh, like in the snow mountains, everyone's starving to death because it's like there's this terrible blizzard and they can't go outside. But if you kill the boss, then the blizzard subsides enough that they can like return to their normal lives. But otherwise, they're all going to die. And it's kind of like there's something like this going on everywhere. And if you finish a dungeon once, you can go back and you can skip right to the boss. And so I realized, oh, you know what I want to do when I finish the game is I want to defeat all the bosses before I do the final end boss. So that way I save the world for everybody. Oh, you can kind of... You know? Yeah. But even doing that, there's also things throughout the day. So, like, if you miss on night two, if you're not at the farm, you're not there... Like you have to, you have to go to the farm on day one to befriend the farm girl, and convince and let her convince you to help her fight off the alien invaders that come on night two. And if you don't show up on night two, then they blow up the barn and abduct her and scramble her brains. So you have to do that on Jesus. night two. But also on night or day one, you have to befriend um, the uh, the inn girl, the innkeeper girl in the main town. And it's like there's all these time sensitive things, and if you open up the calendar book you have, <coughs> you can see there's a couple areas where you have to pick one or the other because you can't be in two places at once. Yeah. And so, like on that night one when you're hanging out with the farm girl, you're not helping the bomb shop owner's grandma. She's getting mugged, and it's like you can't be in two places at once. And it's like, man, I. <laughs> Like, I, I want to be like, I, I've gotten to know all these characters routines. I've gotten to know all their stories. I want to help every single one of them and set everything right. And you just can't. You have so many powers by the end of the game. You can hop around, you can skip, you can sequence break, and you cannot help everybody. And it's sort of a bummer that I really took that lesson with me where it's like, you know, you, you can only you can only do so much. So you have to, you know... <laughs> You have to keep that perspective that sometimes it feels like you're not doing enough, but you can't wear the weight of the shoulder or no, you can't wear the weight of the world on your shoulders. Yeah. I've, I've definitely like, even just like, like my real life, right? The, the older I get, the more I realize that some of my, uh, not all of my hobbies are sustainable to the degree I would like them to be. I have to pick one or the other most days because I just don't have the energy to do all of them. And so like yesterday I didn't do any vocal practice, but I did some editing and then I was really tired. And so instead of doing vocals, I fucking spent an hour working on a Lego set and I played with my cats and that was fine. And then today I did vocal practice, but you know what? I'm not going to get any writing in or editing in today. Like it's almost nine and, uh, it's just it's just not going to happen because I have to have a specific level of mental energy to do that appropriately or I might as well not mm -hmm. do it. So I'll save that for tomorrow. You know, and just I think it's okay. It this is this is what killed me, right? Like like this it took me a while to realize because I'm like, "Oh, I have there's a ticking clock on my life and the amount of stuff I can do." 
Uh, and so I want to get so much done. And that's why I've written five books. But it's like, this is not a sustainable thing. If I want to, if I want to paint miniatures and mod Nerf guns and build Legos and scream, I can't write a book full time and do all of those things. I have to sub stuff out and go in waves. And that means I'm not going to get good at some of these things. Like if I, when I start my sixth novel, my ability to progress as a vocalist is going to drop because I will not have time to do both. And it sucks, but it's, I guess it's okay. Like, you know, I'm not Superman. I can't, I can't be everywhere at once. I'm not Spider-Man. I, I, sometimes you just gotta go get the milk and the fire department will uh, take care of the fire. And maybe that's what growing up is, Cameron. Yeah. And um, not to spoil too much, but that's also like half the thesis of Spider-Man 2. Okay. And I no, kind that, of... That's a good thesis, like really. It, it is. And it's like, I'm, I'm literally, um, like not to say too much, but it's like, I'm getting really frustrated at my job. And it's like, I'm, I don't want to take advice from Spider-Man, the fictional character, but it's also like, you're right, Spider-Man, maybe I should quit my job and find a new one. Well, I, I would say the mark of good fiction is when you can read or consume or see or whatever a thing and be like, hey, this applies to my life in ways I did not understand would, but are extremely meaningful. Like, if you learn something from Twilight Sparkle, fucking more power to you, right? Like, it's okay to do that. And I think that is why good fiction exists, is to make our lives better. And that's not just to, like, allow for escapism. It's so we can, like, learn new things about ourselves and the world around us. I can't tell if this was a good episode, which is something I, I say a lot when I record this show now. But yeah. I had a lot of fun talking with you tonight, Cameron. You know, I did too. I feel like last week we had this very interesting deep dive into like a philosophical view on art. And this week it's kind of like, I remember a Star Wars. What if Star Wars and Pokemon? What if Star Wars Pokemon? I'm going to go to Bing AI right now. And oh, you know what in. I got to go do? I was going to do the same thing with Bing AI. I'm going to do it. I'm going to see what happens. Best one is the, the episode thumbnail. There it is. <coughs> Star Wars meets Pokemon. No. What if Star Wars and Pokemon in the style of... Of... What should it the style of be? Oh, Warhammer 40k. It's creating. It's going. It's thinking. You better not yell at me and tell me this is not safe for work. But I know Warhammer 40k is very violent. I haven't worked on that freaking uh, Terminator guy you got me in like two weeks, and I feel really bad about it because I was making great progress, and now I'm not. That's okay. You don't have to. I mean, like, it, you don't have to rush it. Oh, some of these are really cute. I think I like yours more. Oh, yours is like actually cohesive, though. I know our listeners are probably super enthused right now. Basically, we generated a bunch of really stupid cartoons of Star Wars, Pokemon, and Warhammer. Um, the one I just sent you might be my favorite. It's got... Oh. <laughs> it looks like... it's a He's wearing Warhammer armor, but he doesn't... He looks like a Star Wars character. He's got a red lightsaber. And then a cross between Boba Fett and a, and a Space Marine. And then just a Stormtrooper. And then Pikachu's just like... 
looking at the ground like, what? And he looks confused. And you know what? It's a super cute picture, but it's really stupid. I, yeah, I, I have a lot of fun with these. Mine aren't coming out as great. Oh, I like the one you just did with... The, did you... um a Star Gaga Boys. Star Gaga okay. Boy. Yeah, no matter how good AI gets, it's really bad at text. I want uh, Pikachu as a Sith in the style of... What's a cool... Uh, oh, Rembrandt. Not that I want the last 20 minutes of this podcast to just be us generating shit posts with Dolly 3, but... Um, I'm drunk and this is funny. I'm sorry, everyone. Cameron, do you got a glad space? You know, I do. I feel like it's a little silly because I just brought it up, but honestly, my glad space is Spider-Man 2. It is not as good as Spider-Man 1, but there's things about it that are very like fan servicey that I'm having a lot of fun with. And also, I think mechanically the the fighting's maybe like polished a bit more it's not a total reinvention but it's like oh this is cool this feels good uh i've just i've been really getting lost in it i love it it has venom in it i love that whole storyline um i think it's very funny because i feel like everybody knows this like i everybody knows uncle ben dies and i feel like everybody understands the symbiote thing and so yeah like when they kind of like they subtly hint that something's a little bit off with Peter now that he has this black suit and it's almost like this like wink and nod where it's like yeah we'll, we'll get there real fast don't worry guys like they don't they don't belabor it <laughs> um, how about i want to know my, Chad, my glad space yeah what is your glad space my glad space is um, I saw the new uh, Nicolas Cage movie where he is uh, Dracula. It's called Renfield. And uh, it's definitely like a very dumb, dark comedy, action comedy. Aquafina's in it. She's playing like kind of the, the, the secondary, almost like love interest-esque character. And you know what? That movie was a, was a fucking blast. Was it good? Um, yeah, I think, I think it was good, actually. Like, it, it, there's, like, predictable stuff in there as far as, like, how characters interact and who's going to be friends and what's going to happen. But it was also, like, weirdly intricate in terms of, like, how many plot threads were going on. And the action scenes were, like, really, really well done. Like, way better than they had any right to be. And Nicolas Cage played the fuck out of Dracula. He was awesome. Good. And it's it's a super fun movie. It's a really, really fun movie. I think that's still on my to-do list. I, I would it's at Redbox. Uh, I actually I think I might have it on a streaming service we have right now. So I have no excuse not to try it. I kinda like these weird ninja characters you're generating where they have like a computer for a face and oh, the no, face that's is not just mine. like an anime face. That's uh that's from this thread. Oh. No, mine mine looks stupider. I put in cool, um I don't know what 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 kind of prompts do you use? Do you do like sentences or do you do like uh just like very specific buzzwords? Uh generally specific buzzwords. Um I did Pokemon Star Wars Marvel Comics Sesame Street Nicholas Cage Renfield Podcast Clones. That's a good one. 
Yeah, I think what's funny is that the last one looks like a podcast like logo. Like I've definitely scrolled past that before. I did Pikachu saving Uncle Ben so Spider-Man won't be sad. Oh dude, look how Oh no, Spider-Man's still sad in that one. I know. I like the other one where he's happy though. And uh, Uncle Ben's all happy to be there with Pikachu. Yeah. I love that. That one's great because it looks like a really shitty Photoshop. And I love the one with Detective Pikachu in it. Yeah, he's and a it's detective. Just like, oh, I just decided to make it Detective <laughs> Pikachu. I I made Joe laugh the other night. Um, I showed him a Detective Pikachu video and he laughed at it. It's the end of the story. Pikachu having a lightsaber fight with Sonic. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to cut. I have to like dissect this whole ending. I yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, we could just stop, but I'm all kind of curious. What should this be in the style of Marvel? Oh, I should have done live action Marvel. But you know what? We can you know, we learn from our mistakes, Cameron. I don't. That's what this podcast is about. And respect for women. I go backwards. And respect for women. I make um references to Mike and Tom eat snacks every once in a while and it makes my brother laugh and then he's like what the fuck is that from and I was like Mike and Tom eat snacks and he's like oh also these these three images or these four images suck one of them Pikachu is like stabbing himself through the fucking face with the lightsaber in this one it's I, really it really got this one wrong okay I typed in detective Pikachu making Joe laugh and I actually got a picture of Joe laughing oh yeah let's do detective Pikachu fighting Sonic that's pretty good I remember when someone's like, is this really all AI art is good for? Shit posts. And it's like, yeah. It's great. I'm ha- I'm having fun. I think everyone out there should have fun. I'm going to stop recording right now. Oh, God, this one's great. I'm going to stop recording, too. Sorry. Just know that this one's great. I hate I hate. Bye, everybody. Myself.